What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Yukon Hockey Podcast. My name is Matthew, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And on today's episode, me and Chris talk about the latest Yukon men's hockey series as they got a split against 7th ranked Maine. We also talk about their upcoming series against UNH. Finally, we talk about the women's hockey team's latest games as they have a three-game winning streak as they beat Brown, Boston University, and Merrimack last week. However, before we get to any of that stuff, I'd just like to ask if you can please follow us on social media on Instagram and X at UConnHockeyPod. Also, follow us on Spotify and subscribe to our Apple Podcast page and leave a rating and review. Doing these things helps the podcast grow, helps new people find us, and I truly appreciate it. Now, without further ado, here is today's episode. Enjoy. Well, hello, Chris. I did not expect you to be the co-host for today's episode, but I'm excited that you have joined me today. Thank you so much for coming on, and before we get to uh, the hockey teams, um, how's everything going? Hey, Matt, I'm full of surprises, so glad to be here. Uh, everything's going well, and really interesting weekend. Uh, I think you and I have uh, this to discuss here about uh, about the, the last series. Yeah, so enough with the pleasantries, as Mike Felger would say, and let's start talking about the latest series as UConn uh, split against 7th-ranked Maine. They lost 5-3 to on Friday night, but then got the 2 nothing victory on Saturday. To me, this was a tale of two games and two UConn teams. The Friday night game was a complete disaster as they collapsed as they had a 2 nothing lead heading into the third period and had a lot of opportunities to sort of get that third goal and sort of pull away from that game. But just bad penalties, some controversial, which we'll talk about, and then just uh, the power play not clicking and just overall not great defense really led UConn to lose that game and lose three important points. But then Saturday, they responded well after having a really tough first period, getting outshot by like, I think it was like 11 shots. Maine was out shooting UConn 13-2. to UConn found a way to get themselves back in that game, and then they scored two early goals in the third period and Arseny Sergeyev arguably had his best game in a UConn jersey and UConn found a way to split that series. It's just frustrating to me and I tweet about this because on the one hand I'm happy they upset a ranked team. It's good for standings purposes and pairwise purposes but on the other hand I felt like this should have been a statement weekend for UConn. This should have been a six point weekend and it felt like they kind of let that slip away from them and we saw the good of UConn this weekend, but we also saw the bad of UConn this weekend, and I feel like that's sort of been the story of this season, is just uh, how this UConn team finds ways to win big games and how they find ways to lose games they should probably win. Yeah, I think you can sum it up in one word, inconsistent. So this weekend was inconsistent. You had a 2 nothing lead. Uh, they were looking to, to you know add that third goal, weren't able to do it, allowed Maine back into the game, and yeah, there was that controversial penalty. Uh didn't like the call, thought it was a bad call, but still you got to deal with it. And it just the adversity got the best of them and they wound up losing that game and it just got away from them. So uh, very inconsistent. You know, they came back to obviously, you know, good, good on them to come back on Sunday and win that game. You mean Saturday? Saturday. Thank you uh, to come back and win that game. And, uh, you know, it was just um, just again, as a, as a fan, you're frustrated because they win that game. And you still feel you know a little bit in your gut that uh, you know, you're just not. Uh, it's hard to be happy about it because you know that they're you know if they had maybe uh, played a little more consistent in that game on Friday that you know you could have come away with six points and not just three points so but here you are and you just got to try to build from it and try to look you know towards the rest of your season you got about you know a month and a half here left uh, to go and you got to try to do something with it 
Yeah, I so the way I'm sort of looking at it, I'm trying to be a little bit more positive about it. Is we all expected them to sort of split this series, but now you have a chance to get a big sweep against a UNH team, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But let's talk about that controversial penalty on Friday. Obviously, Chase Bradley got an elbowing call. I believe was the call or something like that. I don't know the exact one. I should probably look that up. But just a bad penalty because clearly um, he didn't hit the player's head. It was definitely a shoulder. It was a shoulder check, and it was just more Bradley was much taller than the guy, and the hit looked a lot worse than it actually was. But unfortunately, it still was called the penalty, and Maine scored a power play goal off that, and it really started their comeback. And it's frustrating that sometimes those calls don't go your way. But on the other hand, the least the way I feel like it is, it sort of reminded me of that Northeastern game from a couple of years ago when Turnbull had that goaltender interference call, and they took that UConn goal back. And it just felt to me in that game like how, yeah, that call sucked and it definitely went against UConn, but they should have found a way to – they should that call shouldn't have had them collapse the way they did. And to me it feels like that call – even though that call didn't go their way, they shouldn't have given up four goals in the third period. I feel like you gotta you got to keep your head on you, – you got to stay focused no matter if things don't go your way because in hockey sometimes things don't go your way. You have calls that don't go your way all the time. I know it feels like it happens a lot with this UConn team, but it's just frustrating when it's like you got – like it's a sort of look at Coach Kavanaugh. It's like why don't you have your team ready after these unfortunate calls happen because they're going to happen every season no matter what. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, sometimes you can't sit there and let a call – get into you as tough as that can be we all get it it's tough it's frustrating terrible call uh officiating has not been great this year in my opinion and but still uh you know at that point where you were at you had a chance you had to you have to bear down kill the penalty and regroup and i think you've heard coaches say it before unfortunately got to play the way the game's being called and so they just uh they they let the penalty um you know, get inside of them and looked like they came unglued and, you know, lost the game. And it's, it's frustrating. You know, it's frustrating. I get it. You know, I, I understand that you, know, you have emotions and this game, you know, is, can be a game of emotions, which makes which makes it a great game, but you got to be conscious of the situation. You got to be conscious of the, the position that you're in and you, you know, you have to, to bear down and that's what the good teams do. So, um, you know, disappointing to see that happen because you just felt like, boy, they, they came out really strong in that first period. And you felt like, well, maybe they, they found something here a little bit. Maybe they were building a little bit of momentum off from the, the prior week. And just to see it slip away uh, the way it did in that third period, you know, left you with a really bad taste in your mouth. Without a doubt. And then the other big problem that I had this weekend was the power play. It was pretty miserable. Big reason why they lost on Friday because they gave up a shorthanded goal on one of those power plays they had. I don't know what they rank on power play percentage. I'm pretty sure it's like one of the worst in the country. And it's just this, I thought the power play was a big reason why they lost that game on Friday. Cause if they just got one of those power play goals, they probably could have won that game potentially. And it just, even on Saturday, like the power play just doesn't seem to be working. And I don't know how you fix it. It's one of those things like it's hard to fix in the middle of the year, but I hope during this off season, like, Cav looks at himself in the mirror and like figures out a way to fix the power play because you can't have this type of power play with a guy like Matthew Wood on your team. Yeah, so UConn is 55th out of 61 teams in power play percentage. They've scored nine goals this year on 68 power play attempts for a percentage of 132. Uh, the teams that are behind them are Alaska Anchorage, Ferris State, Clarkson, Miami, Stonehill, Yale. So clearly their power play is a significant problem. 
Uh, don't know how you fix it, um, but clearly it's part of that game that uh, you know when you look at their record of, of I think it's like eight ten and um, eight ten and two. Uh, you know, part of the reason is they can't score in the power play. They can't put teams away when they have a chance to, and this is what happens. So yeah, I agree with you. They need to. Uh, they need to find a way to be better on the power play. Uh, I'm not sure how you do it, you know, whether you change the units up or do something different, but um, it's not working. Yeah, and I, I, I saw, I caught, I would say like 30, 40 minutes of Saturday's game, but I feel like maybe switching up some of the units. You know, one player I really liked this weekend was Joey Modowney and Tabor Heaslip. I thought they both had really good weekends. Maybe try throwing some of those third, fourth liners on the power play that don't really get as much power play time and see what they can do. Why not? It's not like the other thing's working. So, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure there would be reasons they would tell me not to do it, but uh, I'd be hard-pressed to listen to it and believe it because, you know, proof is in the pudding, man. They, they, they are not good on the power play. Now let's talk about some of the positives from this weekend, which I thought we saw on Saturday was how they were resilient because Hudson Shandor and Jake Flynn were both out injured. Hopefully that's not serious. We'll obviously find out more about both their statuses for Friday. Um, I would assume – on Wednesday and Thursday when Coach Cav does his pregame uh, press conference. But to win that game against a really good opponent without those two guys, I think, showed me a lot. And then Arseny Sergeyev, heck of a game. First collegiate shutout against seventh-ranked Maiden. He was the best player, in my opinion, this weekend. And then you just saw the emergence of two guys, like I just mentioned, Tabor Heaslip and Joey Muldowney. I think they've both been really good players. I think we've seen it with them throughout all of the season, but we I think it's finally starting to show up on the score sheet. And I just I, those were those are the three things that really impressed me. And we'll obviously have the goaltending conversation in a, a minute. But what was your thoughts on just some of the positives from this weekend that I know you agree with me on? Yeah, I think you and Kevin talked about it a couple of weeks ago. How good those third and fourth lines have been, and guys like Muldowney and Heaslip have been really good in my opinion. So uh, for them to play big roles in the game on Saturday, I think is uh, I think it's great. I think it it you know. Um, they really, you know, lift the team up here, and and you got to be really happy when you see those type of players, you know, play the game that they play. So, uh, really, you know, happy for them, you know, happy for the way they played that game, and certainly, you know, Sergey, you know, really, guy hasn't played in a while, uh, had a really rough start to the season, and for him to sort of step in at that time uh, and pitch a shutout, you know, good on him. That 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 shows me a lot. That shows that you know he's. Uh, clearly, you know, still, you know, kept himself uh, focused, you know, kept himself, you know, prepared for when that time came. And, you know, he stepped in and he had to, you know, have a big game and he did. So uh, I think, you know, as a fan, you got to feel really good for him. And it'll be interesting to see what they do going ahead here. Do they go back to the, uh, you know, sort of the, the rotation here of the two goalies or do they, you know, stick with uh, Hader or, you know, do they see what Sergeyev gives them? So I think some, you know, maybe some decisions here uh, on the goaltending front. We'll see. Uh, like you said, we'll find out more on you know Wednesday from uh, when we hear from the coach. But uh, again, those are, you know, a lot, uh, some really good positives to take out, you know, from that game on Saturday. Yeah, let's talk about it because I one of my takeaways from Saturday's game was I thought they should start platooning the goalies again. And the reason why I said that was because, one, it gives each goalie a day of rest and a game that they can just focus on and play their best. But it also, I think, uh, makes them more competitive and push each other, which I think is important as well. And I feel like in hockey today, you're starting to see a lot more rotations with goaltenders than ever before. We, Me and you were talking about this. At some point, there's going to be a Stanley Cup winning team that 
was rotating their goalies throughout the playoffs. And I, why not UConn do it? You have two really good goalies. I know the fan base gets on Sergeyev a little bit, but I think he's really talented. You saw what he's capable of doing. You saw the ceiling of Arseny Sergeyev. And Hayter's really good, too. You got two draft pick goalies on the on your team. Most college hockey teams can't say that. I know I've been sort of flip-flopping my opinion on this throughout the season, but right now my stance is why not just play them both throughout the rest of the season, have them push each other, have them have some rest, and see what they can do because I think when they're both pushing each other and they're both at their ceiling, I think UConn arguably has the best goalie rotation in Hockey East. Yeah, I think, you know, the the thing was, you know, you saw what the play was like, and so I think they had to make the change. I think they made the right change, and, you know, even though um, – you know, they maybe didn't get the results I get. I, I felt like it wasn't because of the goaltending play. I think the goaltending play has been pretty, you know, pretty solid here for the most part. So um, obviously, you know, the back-to-back games and the way the game went, you know, Hader looked like he was, you know, maybe a little bit tired. So I think you, you had to go to Sergeyev and, uh, you know, spot Hader a rest there. But it obviously, you know, played well for UConn for him pitching that shutout. So, uh, I think it gives you, you know, as a coach, it gives you a little bit more some options to, you know, maybe you do go back and forth. But I think, you know, there, there's some agreement that usually you have to sort of decide who your guy's going to be as you get in towards the, the later part of the season. And maybe that's not the case because of their position. Maybe they do, uh, you know, sort of do a tandem here again. We'll see. Um, I, I don't I don't know what you know, sort of which way they're going to lean, but uh, I'll certainly be interested to see, you know, which which way they go. Maybe they go back with Sergeyev because of his performance on Saturday. Now the big question for UConn heading into next week is their injuries with Shandor and Jake Flynn, which I mentioned. Um, tough, tough injuries because you're trying to get as many points as you can, especially, and we messed this up at UConn's 9-10-2. I think we were looking at the wrong day. But um, just two tough injuries with two-year captains and then, Shandor, who I think has been pretty good in the faceoff dot, he really comes in clutch sometimes. And then Jake Flynn brings a lot of experience to that blue line. And to have that inexperience in the blue line can definitely affect you when you go against tough teams, which they're going to do in the next the rest of their season pretty much. So hopefully those guys are back in the ice, but definitely significant losses if they're out for any extended period of time. Sure, it's hard to lose your captain. It's hard to you know lose a player uh, like Jake Flynn. So uh, I'm certainly uh, it's going to be difficult, but you have to hope that the guys uh, on your team step up. I mean that's that's what makes teams good is that those uh, you know those sort of those other players have to step up when their opportunity comes up. So I would suspect that they will, and um, I, I'm I'm hopeful that you know that 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 they are able to make the best of their opportunity and contribute to, uh, you know, to the team this upcoming weekend. It's just frustrating because when Jake Falou comes back, they get two more injuries, but hopefully it's not serious and UConn can find a way to, um, to play those two guys next week. Hopefully it's just more precautionary. They just didn't want them to get even more hurt for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful uh, that it's not serious and maybe, you know, maybe at, at most they just have to be out this, this one additional series and then, you know, they're back for the uh, Connecticut Ice Tournament. But, um, you know, uh, again, you, you got you to gotta rely on some of your depth guys and they have to step up when it's their time. So, uh, you know, we're going to see we're going to see what these guys can do. So obviously next week UConn plays New Hampshire. Pretty interesting series. I always feel like UConn and UNH have fun series, but a big series standing wise because UNH has five games in hand 
compared to UConn. So it's important for UConn to at least steal some points from UNH because um, it can make it that can come pretty that can really be beneficial at the end of the season when UNH is starting making up those games and they have to chase UConn a little bit. You always want to, you always want to be the team that's being chased, not the team that's chasing points. That's sort of the way I look at it. Now UNH has two really good players in Ryan Kami who is a freshman leading them in goals with 10, and then Cy LeClaire, who I'm shocked has not been drafted, but really good player for two years for UNH. He has 16 points, uh, so those are just two guys to look out for. Obviously, another player that I like is Liam Devlin. He's been out for a good chunk of the season, but in the 10 games he's played, he has eight points. And then the goalies for UNH, uh, they seems like they rotate through two with Jacob Helstein and Tyler Mazelik. Helstein has played in 11 games and has a 7-3-1 record. Well, Muzelik has played in seven games and has a four and three record. But just looking at the save percentage and goals against average, I would imagine Helstein probably plays two games, maybe one. We'll see what happens, especially with the day off. I imagine it's two games. Um, but this UNH team has probably been the biggest surprise of Hockey East. I, if you told me that they would be a ranked team in a bubble team for a tournament, I would not believe you. But they've been playing really well. But the question is, which was that sort of a good first half run, or is this UNH team legit? And I think we're going to find that out in the next month and a half. But um, what's your thoughts heading into this weekend against a pretty big matchup for UConn? Yeah, certainly a big matchup. I think you know the the interesting thing for me is I I probably wasn't as uh, negative or pessimistic as you are about UNH. I felt like they really ended the season strongly uh, last year, so it looks like they were able to continue that momentum into this season. And are certainly playing some some good hockey. Uh, the five games in hand just sort of stuns me uh, that that they have that many games at hand at this point of the season. So uh, certainly, I think you know next week they'll obviously make up uh, you know a couple of those games. And when UConn's at the Connecticut Ice Tournament, so yeah, this is important. You got to win these head-to-head games because uh, of the five games in hand, and it's uh, you got to you know win those games to sort of keep pace. You know, when you look at the goaltenders, it's interesting. Uh, you know, even though uh, Helston has the save. 920 save percentages he's only two three and one but his goals against average is you know 1.83 with a save percentage of uh, as i said save of, of 920 whereas you know Muzelik, uh again he's you know two uh, undefeated goals against those a three uh with only a save percentage of 869 so interesting you know looking at those stats there but uh i'd agree with you maybe we'll probably see only one goalie this weekend because of the uh, the way the series is split with a, a Friday Sunday split, which again you know sort of interesting to me that they don't do the back to back. But I think because UNH is a far drive from stores, so they don't they won't have that day off to travel because it's kind of a far drive. That's I remember I remember the UNH people complaining about in the broadcast last season. Really? Because it doesn't seem like it's any further than if they had to go play it like at Merrimack or something. But okay, so that's you know so be it. Um, you know they have the, uh, the 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 day in between, so I'd assume that. Um, you know, from UNH's side, they'll probably stick with one goaltender. Uh, and again, with UConn, we'll see what happens. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I think this is a this is a team that that I think last year, you know, in the second half of the fe- season, started to find itself. You know, you talked about Kami, who's uh, their leading scorer with 22 points. Um, so you know, as a freshman, and uh, it, it's I don't know. I think it's a it's a it's a they're 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 a decent team. They're going to be one of those teams that it's uh, they're they're going to be difficult to play. So um, you could see them you know putting some some strong you know games together and and being uh, you know being being in the conversation for you know going to uh, to Boston in uh, March. 
Now let's transition and talk about the women's hockey team as they have a three-game winning streak. They played three games last week. That's pretty crazy to think about. They beat Brown 2-1, to beat Merrimack 2-1, to and then beat Boston University 5-2. to uh, Just... I feel like we keep repeating ourselves every time we talk about the women's hockey team, but just another good week for them defensively, offensively. I think the big thing that I took away from this week was how they dealt with adversity because both Merrimack and BU and Brown to a certain extent, I thought pushed them a little bit, but for them to sort of find a ways to win those games in kind of tough circumstances, um, maybe with the travel coming back from Minnesota, playing a lot of games this week. But to find a way to beat those teams, I think, shows me a lot. And then a lot of depth players really showed up this week, which was impressive to me. But I'll let you start on your thoughts on the women's hockey team and just uh, what they've been doing. And then one more thing, actually, before I get to you, Chris, I want to congratulate former UConn Hockey Pod guest, Coach Chris McKenzie, on becoming the most winningest coach in program history. I think we can both agree one of the best decisions UConn women's hockey has ever made was hiring him. He's a great guy, and I'm super happy that he has earned that honor because it's well-deserved. So I just wanted to give him a shout-out for that. Absolutely. Congratulations. Uh, you know, just a, a great coach, great guy. Loved uh, his interview uh, last year on the podcast. So, um, you know, good uh, kudos to him. Love having him as the head coach. Uh, I think for the women, you know, obviously uh, they came back, you know, they had they played really well, uh, even though they weren't able to get the wins against Minnesota and having three games in the week, obviously. Uh, I think it was, you know, be able to, to, to sort of survive that good for them. You know, they have two games in hand on uh, BC. And so we'll find out on, you know, later in the month when, you know, BC plays the women's bean pot. I think that's in January. 20th. It's uh, tomorrow, actually. Oh, it is, uh, yeah, it is tomorrow. Because I think the women's do it on Tuesdays in January, not the Mondays in February like the men. You are right. So uh, so possibly they'll get some, you know, they'll, they'll pick up one, one of those games in hand this week and then uh, another one the following week. And, you know, we'll see, uh, you know, see where they're at in terms of the standings. But I think for them right now, I mean, it's just it's it's, you know, the the goal is to to win the win hockey East. I mean, you know, that's really sort of be the only goal right now is to win hockey East, because that looks like that's going to be your uh, entrance into a possible you know tournament berth. So uh, they're only a point behind B.C., so they could certainly leapfrog them this week um, if, you know, they get that you know additional game in hand. So. It'll be interesting to see, you know, where they sit uh, at the end of at the end of this week for, um, you know, for standing purposes. But then, you know, just uh, you got a little bit of the season left here, and then it's uh, and then it's on to, to tournament time. So, feels to me like you know they're rolling, and just you got to keep keep focused on you know winning the games, not losing your position, and giving yourself some momentum when you roll into the tournament in February. Now we have to give a few shout outs as well because. I think a lot of times UConn, some of the big players we've talked about, like Jada Habish and the goaltending duo of Tia Chan and Megan Warner, rightfully so, get a lot of uh, the national recognition from hockey standpoint. But, you know, Ashley Howard, a freshman, had three points uh, this past week, and I really feel like she's been coming in on her own this year. Really good, talented forward for UConn. Um, Kyla Josifovic uh, had two points on Saturdays, a defense, defender that has really impressed me this week and is really starting to become a really solid player for UConn. Claire Peterson, a grad student that's been really good for them. Uh, so just a lot of players for UConn, that, at least the depth players that have been really stepping up, that's impressing me. And that's what you need during this time, tournament time, because maybe a BC or a team like that in the playoffs finds ways to shut down some of your top players. You need some of those depth players to stand up and make a difference and that's an important sign for at least for me that I've been seeing from this UConn team so that's 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 what I've been happy about 
Um, but they've just there's been not a lot of negative things to say about it, even if you tried. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And just like we talked with the men's side where, you know, players, you know, your depth players, you're going to have to step up this week for some injuries. I think you're absolutely right is that, you know, teams as they play, they're going to focus on your your good players. They're going to um, try to shut them down and say, you know, let your other players, you know, beat us. So uh, it's good to see that, you know, the, the players that you mentioned there have stepped up and seem to be really contributing. So I think that's uh, that, you know, to me, that's a really good sign when you have that, when you have a lot of balance, you know, up and down the lineup that uh, you know, you can have other players who will step up when sometimes, you know, when the team's able, when the opposing team's able to shut down, you know, some of your better players. Now, UConn has two games this upcoming weekend as they have a home game against Maine on Friday, and then they go to UNH on Sunday and play at 12 o'clock right before the men's game. So a good UNH-UConn doubleheader on Sunday. But um, you and New Hampshire women, that's sort of a surprising team as well. They got five out of six points last weekend, losing, beating BC in a shootout. So that's going to be a sneaky, tough game for UConn, so definitely don't want to take them lightly. And then Maine, I know they're sort of in the bottom of the standings right now, currently tied for seventh. But like we saw with BU, even though they might not have the best wins-loss record, there's definitely a good team and a team that always plays UConn hard, at least historically. So I think they have a really good goaltending matchup. And they upset number 15th-ranked Northeastern last weekend, winning that game one to nothing in overtime. So I know some of these games might not seem meaningful, but when you take a look at it, definitely opponents not to underestimate, which I assume the team is not doing. No, I would hope not. I'm sure Coach McKenzie doesn't have, you know, lets them know. It's like, you, you know, each game you got to uh, – you got to be on your best because the you know people are going to look to to pick you off and you know if you lose one game here or there you might lose some of your momentum so I would expect that you know they're they're going to be um, you know that they're going to be okay they're going to play you know really well they're going to get themselves a really good seed position and like I said I think at this point it's just you know trying to maintain um, good you know good position trying to maintain uh, you know good momentum. And, you know, trying to keep good habits and play good hockey so that, you know, when tournament time comes, you're ready to roll. Well, they definitely will be ready to roll. I'm looking forward to that. So um, any final words, I guess, before we end the podcast today? I have really nothing else to say. I think we cover it all in the last 25 minutes. No, I think we're, we're good. So just looking forward to, to this weekend should be some good hockey. And, uh, you know, when we talk again, we'll be talking about the Connecticut Ice Tournament. So we're looking forward to that. For sure, looking forward to that. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode, and have a great weekend. And or have a great week, and we'll see you. Ne- we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.